to the ether today is wednesday january 5th 2022 this episode of the ether is brought to you by orbital command a community validator on terra dedicated to educating expanding and promoting the lunatic community support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your luna terra spaces appreciates their support today on the ether we have osmosis updates from the lab let's take a listen Good morning and happy new year, Osmonauts, Cosmonauts, and everybody in between. I'm Kevin Barry. It is, oh my gosh, it's 2022, January 5th. Updates from the lab. We have Greg Osuri from Akash Network, and we are going to get started in just a moment. If you don't know, Osmosis Updates from the Lab occurs every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. UTC on the osmosis zone twitter space i mean you know that because you're here right now listening to this but if you're listening to this in the future on youtube then wake up we go over all the latest news and plans for osmosis with hosts dynamic manic myself kevin barry and co-founders sunny agarwal and josh lee and also just a heads up today three hours after this updates from the lab january 5th broadcast or call the osmosis community excuse me, the the Osmosis community is hosting a town hall at 1 p.m., 6 p.m. UTC in the Osmosis Discord lounge. For more info, um, you can check my Twitter feed. I'll post an article all about it. And also it's on all of the, uh, it's on the Osmosis Zone Twitter and it's also on the Osmos Support DAO Twitter. And um, if you don't hear about it and you're into Osmosis, then I don't know what you're doing with your life. Um, We've got a YouTube link too. Oh, yeah, there's also a YouTube link. We'll we'll post all the links, but please come to our community town hall. It's going to be hosted by Sonny and myself and members of the uh, Osmosis Community Support DAO. All right, that was a mouthful. What's up, everybody? Yeah, How's you, how you doing, Eddie? <laughs> I'm good, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I mean, we've talked, obviously, before this, but um, publicly, I say Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was going with. <laughs> all right, so I, I didn't mean to just throw you under the bus, dude. Um, it's all good (laughs) oh man um i'm i'm actually really psyched about speaking with greg from akash today because it's one of the daps associated with cosmos and osmosis that to me like instantly i could see the utility the value and and a lot of exciting possibilities Uh, yeah cash is like one of the godfathers of cosmos in my opinion is it a cash or a kosh a cash, a cash. We'll find out. Tomato. We're gonna find out pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm sure Greg will correct us. He will. Can we get Greg up here? <clears throat> or Sonny. Yeah, just sent him an invite. Okay, awesome. Hey, happy new year, Sonny. Happy New Year, Sonny. Happy New Year, guys. We uh I guess should should we go over I mean we have Greg for Greg's our main guest. I mean he's he's the he is our sole guest today, am I correct? 
Yes. Okay. So should we do some brief updates? I mean, it's not like nothing's been happening on osmosis. Well, it's been two weeks since we're done. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, feel like the, I feel like a lot has happened. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, what's happened? Um, I guess, you know, uh, I've been saying for a while, 20, you know, I, I actually like started writing an op-ed called like 2022 will be the year of app chains and like you know, I th- you know 2022 will be the year of cosmos or whatever but it's like man three days in okay that's that was a bit faster than i expected <laughs> uh, like everyone is like talking about cosmos right now which is uh nice um and uh you know uh, so obviously a lot of like uh traction on you know uh on the on like the metrics from the deck so like uh you know we we kind of hit multiple um uh you know all-time highs in the last couple of days so like in uh two days ago we hit uh the highest uh you know we broke a billion dollars in uh liquidity on osmosis and then um for the past two days we've been breaking all-time highs on volumes as well so yesterday was the first time we broke 100 million uh daily trading volume and you know broke well past that with like 120 million um which is almost like 50 percent more than like the last all-time high on volumes so that's like you know always good to see that you know you know i I think that like a lot of people uh and and it it looks like today there's like you know it might be even higher because uh it's only like you know uh we're already at 56.3 million for the day today um so we'll see how that goes but yeah basically you know I think like a lot of people focus a lot on the TBL, um, on the liquidity, and I think that is an important metric because that sort of is like the stickiness of your of the decks. But then at the same time, I think you know volume is sort of really um, you know the real product of a dex, right? The, the the liquidity is there to bring uh, to attract volume, and so you know I guess the volume is sort of the metric that we kind of um, uh, track try to track more closely, and so. You know, it's great to see that that that's all and also because you know the um you know liquidity can also just be increasing from like the price increase so well, one thing is nice that if you go to DeFi llama you can actually see um the liquidity uh in terms of osmo instead of just in terms of dollars so you we can actually see that hey you know like yes of course like you know liquidity increases increased a lot because of the recent price increases but you know there's also just been like a consistent uh increase in like actual new assets being added as well because if you convert it to osmo value you can see that even that's going up as well um and then you know you can look at stuff like um uh the ust liquidity right so because obviously that should that would not be uh affected by by price movements as that's a stable coin and so we can see that that's also consistently uh going up as well so yeah you know i think that these are all like sort of like really good metrics that were watching um so yeah what else um so you know i there was a tweet from the osmosis zone account a couple days ago talking about like hey you know these are sort of the big um things that are coming down in the pipeline for like the next couple months like you know i don't want to say like q1 but like you know in the next couple months for sure um so you know i think the five that we had list that 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 were listed there was one was the cosmosm so you know as we talked as we mentioned um you know we'll try to get uh ethan fry on uh maybe next week to talk a little bit more about like updates on what how the progress of that is going 
Um, but yeah, basically, you know, working they're working on getting working on releasing a Cosmosm 1.0. Uh, that's like going to be a stable release that we can like feel safe. Uh, you know, with the long term support of getting that onto Osmosis. Um, other ones would include uh, what else was there? There was the superfluid staking, obviously. So you know, I think uh, everyone's pretty familiar with that at this point. If not, you know, this YouTube. There's the YouTube videos uh, from Cosmoverse. You can take a look at that. Um, LBP 2.0, which I believe we talked about a, b- a bit last month uh, during some of the LBP related uh, updates. But um, yeah, so that you know, that's one another one. Um, the next one is uh, Ethereum integration. So uh, the Cosmos Gravity Bridge actually is um, technically live right now, uh, but we're actually waiting on a couple of features. Uh, you know, we're waiting on an upgrade. Uh, just so it can ship some of the UX features that we want, uh, you know, particularly, you know, we want to we want to make it as seamless as possible for users to onboard from Ethereum. So it should just be like a one click that you know, just as easy as it is to come over from IBC chain, other IBC chains onto Osmosis. Right now, we want to have the same UX here. Um, so you know, just making there's um, it basically making sure that the the uh, Gravity Bridge chain is using the BEC32 ibc feature that uh we had developed so the back 32 ibc features you know it, it, it's actually a feature that the gravity bridge will sort of be the first test user of it and what what it is um i think i may have talked about it but maybe may have been a while ago so i can refresh on this one which is um you know currently when you do there's two types of send transactions on the on a cosmos chain you can either send to an account on the same chain or if you want to send to an account on a different chain uh, over IBC, you have to like pass in all this like stuff about like channel IDs and like, and it's a different transaction type. And it's, you know, just harder to, uh, it, you know, especially for wallet integrators, it's, you know, uh, it, it's more work, you know, cause uh, people may have saw that, you know, Trust Wallet had announced that uh, they were working on an osmosis integration as well. So, you know, we've been help, you know, helping more wallets and stuff on board. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the things that, you know, we had to help explain them, walk them through is like, hey, this is these IBC transfers actually work differently than the normal transfers. And so the point of this BEC32 um, uh, IBC feature is that we actually trying to make the uh, the functionality of normal transfers more similar to IBC transfers. And so basically, you know, so the BEC32 prefix is like, you know, in every Cosmos address on different chains, they all have this different like prefix at the beginning. So on Osmosis, it would be Osmo, but on the Cosmos Hub, it says Cosmos. On Akash, it says Akash. Um, and so, you know, we basically have, we can build an on-chain like mapping between these prefixes and what IBC channels that, you know, refer to those prefixes. And so when I make a transfer, uh, using the, you know, let's say the Kepler send functionality on Osmosis, I just say, hey, send to, send these atoms to Cosmos One, blah, 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 blah. It should automatically know and say, like, turn that into an IBC transaction and send it to there. And then, you know, if, for example, you know, if we get this feature onto something like the Cosmos Hub, you know, one of the use cases that we're really interested in is that then you can, like, you know, when you withdraw from an exchange or something like Coinbase, you should just be able to put an Osmo address in that withdraw field. And so it will automatically show up in your uh, Osmosis account because what they'll, 
because what basically Coinbase would end up sending to that Osmo account, which will then um, automate the whole IBC process and like, you know, just remove one more step from the users uh, to have to do. So that's um, that's the that's that BEC32 feature that we're working on with. And so, yeah, the Gravity Bridge will be sort of the first, um, you know, test user of that feature. And I get and, oh, and then the final one that I we had listed in that um in that in that in the thread was a uh, stable swap. So you know, uh, they'll that you know stable. Currently, there's one stable coin on uh, Osmosis, which is UST. But once the Ethereum bridge comes live, there will um, obviously be more uh, stable coins as well. And hey, Sonny, can you hear me? I'm not hearing anybody. I think we should. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, you can. Oh, okay, cool. So what happened just now? Like, did you guys hear me talking for like 15 minutes? I think we should reboot. Um, I reboot. can hear you. Oh, you can hear, hear me? Uh, what part did it cut out? Uh, you cut out the last uh, one minute. Okay, what was the last thing I mentioned? Uh. Uh, the back thirty two you're talking about oh support yeah okay cool cool yeah so um you know like i mentioned the uh, uh i don't know if you guys heard this but you know i think one of the main use cases that we're looking for there is you know once we can get this back 32 routing feature on the cosmos hub uh people will be able to withdraw um funds just directly by like doing you know let's say on an exchange like coinbase or something as the withdrawal address you should be able to put an osmo address and it will automatically know like hey this is actually an ipc transaction and will route it uh correctly uh that way so that's sort of one of the uh main features that we're looking for from the bex 32 routing and then the last one uh big one that's coming down the pipeline is um the uh or the one that was in the list was a uh, stable swap so um, you know, stable swap is a you know an AMM that's more specialized for uh, like assets. So like you know, especially stable coins, stable coins. And so currently, the main stable coin on Osmosis is like UST. But we, uh, you know, as um, the as uh, look, you know, the Ethereum bridge uh, comes live. You know, we imagine there'll be more stable coins. Um, especially such as like, you know, USDC, for example. And, you know, I think uh, one of the big markets, I think Osmosis uh, is well positioned to capture is uh, the UST to, uh, you know, Ethereum stable coin uh, mark, stable swap market. Because, you know, if you look at something like Curve, Curve has about, you know, $30 million of UST liquidity sitting on it in its um, UST uh, pools. Um, but, you know, Osmosis itself as a whole already has like $70 million of UST liquidity. And I think that like, you know, once we have a solid stable swap between UST and USDC, um, this could be sort of the main uh, liquidity bridge between like the difference, you know, between UST and the uh, ETH ecosystem of stable coins. So that's like the other uh, big thing that's coming that was mentioned. Um, hey, Sonny. Yeah. Um, I know I promise not to interrupt you too much, but I, I'm just saying this because I think for the first 10 minutes of the call, I couldn't hear anything. So I was talking. I had no idea. So I don't know what you said, but um, what was the first thing that you said? Was it Beck, Beck 32? 
the back 32 routing was about the uh you know get, get making it so uh transfers like no transfers on one chain act very similarly to ibc transfers uh or i guess more the other way around so i you know in the kepler uh like send field i should just be able to say like hey send to send ust to terra one blah 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 and it will know to automatically send that ust to that address rather than having to go through like a separate process for uh doing ibc transfers gotcha and for anyone who hasn't done an ibc transfer it's it feels like heaven uh it's a really beautiful simple in in terms of how simple it is cool. uh, you know anyone talking no i don't think anyone's talking um so uh yeah so i can so those are some of the like, some of the main big announced stuff that's like working on there's also some other stuff that we're working on right now that you know maybe can be enough you know we'll we'll, we'll share as it becomes as it becomes a little bit more fleshed out and ready um but uh yeah that's definitely sort of where we're at right now um yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. And anyone have any? Uh, maybe we can jump into you know talking about a cost for a little bit, and then we can go into Q and A's at the end. Awesome. I thanks. So. Hey, I just want to say hi, Greg. I don't know if we got to interact before this, but welcome. And uh, thought I read an entire bio about you um, in the first ten minutes, but apparently my mic wasn't working. So, um, oh, I don't know if you, have you been introduced. I don't think so. I just want to say that from I have this from the notes from Stevie Wolf Wolf that you are the founder and CEO of Akash. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, Akash. Akash means Ak the, uh, the sky in Sanskrit. It's where the clouds are created. So that's hence the name. Perfect, perfect name. Akash, uh, you're a computer scientist and applied economist who's been working in the field for over 25 years. Uh, you founded Angel Hack a global hackathon network that among many other things fostered the development of Firebase, which was bought out by Google to become their mobile and web app development platform. And according to our notes, you and your team began developing Akash Network in 2017, originally on Ethereum, but then you quickly switched over to a sovereign chain and you've been a big contributor to the Cosmos ecosystem ever since. Thank you for uh, coming on today. Thank you so much, Kevin, for the introduction. So please talk to us about kind of, you know, what, what you provide, how um, Akash is different from some of the uh, competitors out there and how you guys have been working with Osmosis. Absolutely. In the simplest terms, you know, removing all the buzzwords, Akash is essentially a marketplace for uh, to trade compute cycles, right? So people that have unused compute cycles, uh, ideally a cloud-grade compute, can offer that uh, in a market uh, wherein the price is driven by an auction mechanism, a reverse auction mechanism, to uh, people that need compute. And the outcome is uh, a significantly lower price, right? So Akash right now offers anywhere from one-third to one-fifth the cost the price point Amazon offers. And uh, the system is designed in a way uh, it's, that it's permissionless and open. So anyone can participate in this economy without needing any, any permission, uh, making it censorship resistant as well. So effectively, if you combine all these properties, it is the first decentralized cloud uh, market uh, that's permissionless, self-sovereign, and uh, open, right? 
and um, and the one of the key sort of like uh, properties you'll notice while using Akash is, is extremely composable because of these underlying properties. So um, so it's really designed for a modern day developer in mind. Um, if you think about the cloud, the, the current infrastructure, which is, is essentially comprised of four major companies, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Alibaba, um, all these control about 80% of market share, they were really designed in the last decade, right? In 2006 is when they, they you know, showed the market and they haven't really evolved with a developer uh, in, the, in the mind. So Akash has been redesigned or reimagine cloud and design in a for a modern era. So um, so it's 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 a fun uh, tool if you're a developer to use. And how does it differentiate with others uh, generally? I mean, so there are you know clouds that kind of came before Akash uh, with the same value system, and there are stuff uh, the clouds that came after Akash. What Akash really um, uh, I guess revolutionized or introduced to the world is a notion of generic compute, right? So before Akash, you had iExec, you had Gollum and several others that had their own sort of like uh, ideas on how a how this uh, compute platform can be delivered. So most of them went higher level, application level. So Gollum specifically said you can do, uh, you know, uh, machine learning style app, supercomputer style, grid style computing, right? They, can't, they didn't really do any generic computing. Uh, same thing with iExec. iExec went a little bit, little bit uh, generic with, with uh, introduction of tasks, but you can only do background tasks. You can't do long running jobs, right? So long running jobs in the sense of websites or API servers that are always there serving a user. Uh, so uh, short term jobs are something like a batch job where you run the job once and you, you're done with it, right? You do a competition job. So there was significant emphasis either on like verifiable compute or short-term um, short term jobs uh, before Akash. After Akash, we saw the notion of long-running jobs, right? So Akash was the first platform that could actually reliably host a website or an API, uh, pretty much any Web2 application that, are, that you are used to hosting on Amazon, uh, you could host it on Akash. And then you have the copycats that came after Akash. Uh, the latest and the most uh, you know, loud one would be Flux, right? So the difference between Flux and Akash is Flux is uh, permissioned. You cannot just host an application. You need uh, approval uh, from unknown parties in order to host your application. So you're limited to what you can host, right? And there are others like Stack OS and whatnot that pretty much do what Akash does. does in, Try to you know vampire attack or, or hashtags and uh, you know employ that nasty techniques. But really, uh, the what uh, what Akash is is really positioned as, as this first composable uh, decentralized cloud. That makes any sense? Um, that does. It does make sense. Um, I just wanted. I had one question about when you were talking about the copycat. Um, uh, I guess long-term job providers like Flux. Um, so what, what you're saying is that if they require some kind of approval, that that makes them less censorship resistant. Is that what you're saying? Uh, of course, and, and also makes them useless, right? So, for example, if you want to do continuous deployments, right? So Osmosis, I believe, is experimenting with putting their front end on Akash now. 
uh, front end needs continuous deployments. You need to deploy multiple times a day. So imagine getting an approval multiple times a day from a board. That's just not practical, right? And yeah. also, uh, you can't, I mean, something like Flux is so simple, right? There's a lot of emphasis on building UIs, right? Or web UI for deployments. Building UI is easy. Building UI the right way is hard uh, because when you build a UI, you tend to make choices in terms of um, limitations of what you can do. So something such advanced as a cloud computing uh, infrastructure, building a web UI means you're limited to what you can do. So if you go to Flux and try to deploy something, you're very limited on like configuration, right? Whereas Akash has something called SDL, which is hyper composable. And we're taking it further, we're going to make it extensible in terms of using variables, actually logical uh, notations into the SDL itself. So it's going to be, it's sort of like, uh, com by focusing on composability, you can actually, um, you know, utilize all the power that the, that the platform provides instead of limiting yourself from a web UI, right? So a lot of these like small, I mean, the, these complicated things people think we need in order to gain adoption and projects like Flux have obviously like taken, uh, you know, the short-term thinking about, oh, let's put a web UI and uh, host WordPress, right? But, you know, you need, in reality, you need a lot more than just a, a simple website and a simple database. It's usually multi-tiered applications that have different layers uh, in order to deliver a high performance uh, experience, right? So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so yeah, that answer your question. Yeah, that I mean, you, you've, you're just adding a lot more exciting details and benefits of Akash, which uh, of Akash, which I, I feel like I have some homework to do <laughs> on some of these things. But the the hyper composable um, SDL that you were talking about, like for other people who are listening, or maybe more like me, like. Can can you break down a little bit what that means? Sure. So, like, if you were to deploy uh, an application, you know, on the on on uh, um, on the cloud today, just take Amazon for example, right? So you can go through the web UI, and if you're a you know beginning, I mean, if you're if you're a basic user, you can like go and define your container and you can say like these are the configuration variables, yada, 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 and click, 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 you're done, right? Uh, but if you're just sort of like using the web all the time, then you're limited to how fast you can move. So you want to be like, well, and also like say something happens, you know, your website goes down for some reason, right? You have to go through the web UI again to bring it back up, right? Which takes time. So a lot of times you just want to automate the process. And in order to automate the process, you want to write scripts. So you want a command line interface. You want something that's not web because you know your scripts can go do the clicks on the web, right? So if you want to make your application resilient, you have to be scriptable, right? Now let's talk about scripting. Like what are the options? Now you can use your command line to do all kinds of gimmicks because, you know, in a uh, when you have to do a deployment, uh, you go go through several steps, right? So, for example, you gotta, um, you know, um, uh, build your container and push the container to a, a registry and deploy that and pull the data from from, from the database and push up. You have like several steps. Uh, we call it orchestration. So, when you're orchestrating, um, it's when you need to write this code on how your application boots up. So that's where 
composability becomes extremely important. And that's where SDL comes into play, right? So SDL right now is uh, what we define as stack definition language is where you define your entire stack. With Akash, it's, so, it's pretty composable because you can define a stack that says like Osmosis, for example, say it gets really popular like getting and you have users all over the world and you have users in US, you have users in Europe, you have users in uh, Asia and you want to give a phenomenal RPC experience, a phenomenal web experience. Say you want to deliver, I don't know, each request under, uh, under the cognitive limit, which is like 100 milliseconds, right? So if you, every interaction, if it delivers within 100 milliseconds, it gives you this continuous experience as a user. Uh, yes. You know, I love so that. Want... And I love how that is. I mean, that's definitely how my experience of osmosis generally is, is that like, I'm not sitting around waiting for things to execute. Sorry to interrupt you. Just love that. Yeah, yeah. So you want you want to enhance the user experience. That means you need a caching layer uh, some, for each region, right? For US, for for Europe, and for, uh, for, for, for Asia. And also you want a networking layer that'll probably deliver within like 50 milliseconds so that your application stack has another 50 milliseconds. Uh, of like latency, right? So in order to achieve such an advanced high performance uh, in delivery, you need to be able to deploy these workloads all over the world and able to sync the deployments and do so in a beautiful configuration, right? So giving you the ability to compose high performance applications is where SDL comes extremely powerful. So instead of, and you can't really do that in a web UI, right? You know what I mean? Because you're limited. It's like trying to program uh, no, something using web UI, which is impossible versus trying to do that in your text editor. Uh, so if you're a builder, you know what I'm talking about. So that's the power of SDL. And we're going to make it even more powerful. So SDL doesn't support variables, for example, today. It doesn't support logic, right? Uh, that means you can't have conditions in like, oh, if you if this happens, you know, deploy there, or this happens, deploy here, right? So we're going to introduce logic in SDL. So in making this SDL, which is already very powerful, even more powerful, by introducing logic and variables and whatnot. So now that becomes a, a foundation to other ecosystem, uh, important ecosystem projects like Terraform, right? So Terraform, for example, is the most widely used composable language in Web2 uh, that people use to deploy on Amazons and uh, the big cloud, right? So by plugging Akash into Terraform, you can now start slowly migrating workloads away from Amazon because now you're plugging into an existing infrastructure that people already have and and we can go pitch people that are using Terraform to just use Akash module and bring some of those like workloads onto Akash and have some sort of a coexisting coexistence with Amazon where you can maybe put like less um, what do you call uh, mission critical workloads on, on Akash and sort of have like that level of introduction. So this composability opens up a lot of opportunities for us to integrate with much bigger uh, ecosystems uh, to gain adoption, right? Uh, so that's why uh, focusing on a builder is extremely important instead of focusing on a uh, quote unquote, a WordPress user who's going to may not, who's going to do some simple website or something, but instead of, instead of like someone who, who's going to, uh, Host mission critical uh, applications, right? So, a lot of right. these like amazing exp application, amazing work we're doing. And top of that, we're also uh, introducing uh, CLI. I'm really excited. Uh, Adam, my co-founder uh, and CTO, um, he's 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 phenomenal for designing like interfaces, developer interfaces, and 
Um, and uh, he, he's, you know, he's designing this like really cool, uh, I don't know if you use something called Packer or like any of the, any of the HashiCorp tools. Uh, they're known for their like developer experience. And HashiCorp is a creator of uh, Terraform, Packer, um, uh, uh, Vault. Uh, Vault is a security uh, framework. Um, but they kind of sort of like taking a lot of lessons from HashiCorp ACL language or HashiCorp configuration language and incorporating that into Akash. Uh, and really excited. This is going to be the first time something like this uh, crazy uh, is in the cloud, right? Awesome. Um, so we're not doing something just new for crypto. We're just doing new for the cloud native infrastructure, something people haven't seen outside as well. So really excited to reemphasize more on the developer and the builder uh, and because that's the kind of stuff that's going to give us exponential growth. I, I think you, you're, you've, you've laid out a, a really exciting i think roadmap for how akash is reaching out to developers and encouraging this kind of composable use cases uh, if i'm if i'm using the 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 jargon correctly um like what you're saying this is i'm just going to feed this back to you regurgitate it back mm -hmm. to you smooth uh, as a smooth brain um so so basically what you're saying is that by uh increasing the um ma making the cloud computing more composable you people can deploy akash uh make a uh, akash deployments that are kind of working in tandem with existing like amazon web service deployments or what have you is am i understanding that correctly correct that's one of the benefits right another big benefit just one like, that's yeah, just one yeah, so, the, the just other one, big, right? the other big thing i'm getting from you and uh i mean people can correct me if i'm wrong this is my one of the things uh because uh, because it you know it was noted in your bio that you guys had had originally launched on Ethereum, and uh, you know Ethereum being this sort of uh, you know, virtual machine, and and, and uh, also a what I, I see one of the great things about Ethereum is that they they've done a fantastic job of reaching out to and communicating with developers and trying to build tools that you know encourage and feed builders basically. And it sounds it sounds to me like the strategy that you're coming up with is you know to try to speak the the language of developers and to make their give them more options, more exciting um, opportunities for deployments and for controlling and and coding um, th these uh, cloud deployments than currently exist. Yeah, absolutely. Builders are our number one focus. I mean, we build tools for builders, right? And not only Ethereum, I've you know I've had experience seeing Firebase Firebase grow from zero users to the massive user base they have. Right. So always, right. and I remember going to Firebase's office back in the day, uh, in twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen timeframe, and I'm seeing this roadmap on their wall, and and the biggest milestones were always framework integrations. Right. So framework integrations are super important because they open up distribution channels, right. So framework integrations would be something like, for them, it was like, um, they had, I think, a, uh, I don't remember the JavaScript frameworks in 2014, but uh, the biggest break they really got was Angular integration. So Firebase, when they launched, it was just a cloud database, uh, you know, in a very hostile market. <laughs> You're talking about databases, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the majority of the databases, most successful ones were open source, Postgres and MySQL in 2014. So if you come up with a, closed source cloud database, I mean, you're not, 
you're, you're a joke, right? So they introduce themselves in a hackathon as a really quick way of like bootstrapping an application and, um, you know, no hassle uh, sort of like deployment uh, of your application. Uh, but for them to be taken seriously, they needed a launchpad. And Angular integration was a launchpad because Angular, they've gotten so good and so easy in getting the Angular, you can build a Firebase application in a matter of minutes. And Google loved it so much, uh, it became part of the documentation, it became part of the front page. So if you go to Angular's front page back in the day, you had Firebase integration. So that put them at a whole different level. So focusing it's on huge. the builders, focusing on the builders and focusing on problems early enough is very, very important for, for the distribution. Because Akash, you know, by itself, is a very powerful system, but it's not the easiest thing to do, easiest thing to use. Right? My, right. I, I myself find it hard, hard to use, right? And that's not the point. The point is not the easy part. The point is a powerful part. The easy part comes through more hyper-focused use cases, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like one of the things we're doing is like, yeah, focusing on a builder means um, I, I, I like Starport. Uh, Starport is a beautiful application. Uh, that lets you, uh, you know, create layer one chains on Cosmos SDK uh, in a matter of minutes. It gives you, I don't know if you tried it, but the scaffolding is very powerful. You would be able to like come up with your own, like, uh, you know, uh, a basic functioning blockchain. You can boot up a node and give you a view application, uh, a JavaScript application that interacts with the blockchain. It gives you a faucet, gives you all the bootstrapping accounts, it does all the hardware, but it's beautiful to like actually you know, create a, a Cosmos SDK chain. But it's a little hard, but there's no integration to launch a testnet. So I, so I thought it'd be cool to do, do something like Starport launch testnet, right? As a matter of minutes on Akash permissionlessly. So you can actually get to the user in the early days of the life cycle. Now, mm -hmm. when they're thinking about going to production, of course they're going to, uh, they already have the SDL files, they already have the containers, they already have the workflow design, and they're going to encourage the validators to use Akash, right? So, so getting, uh, you know, introduce, introducing Akash early in the life cycle of a developer is critical, uh, I think, for adoption. So this composability yeah. features are going to be, are going to get us to what, get us there. And if you think about what's happening today, uh, we're seeing the largest migration of Web2 to Web3. Hands down. Like last night I was hanging out with one of my favorite developers who's designing this beautiful system. He was thinking of a closed source web two system. It's a, it's a brand new database for JavaScript uh, based on Postgres. He's, he's, he's a creator of famous library and he's really a popular open source developer. But now he's considering doing web three, fully open source owned by the users. And, and, wow. and people like that are and this is super excited about them. They're building an Akash, of course. It's going to be one of those Akash native applications. Um, unlike anything you've ever seen uh, in the world, nice. like uh, I'll tell you more about it. But people okay. like that are, are, are building on top, of, uh, on, on top of Web3 and we have to support them, right? And we have to support this revolution. And Akash is going to be yeah. positioned to support this type of users, builders that are doing amazing stuff. And for them, it's not about Hang your web UI. They don't care about web UI. They don't. Know, none of them use a web web UI. They're about the power behind the system. And right. I remember uh, I, I've been using Kubernetes since 2014. If you remember Kubernetes in 2014, it had no documentation. It, I mean, the documentation is you got to look, look at the source code and figure out what's do, what it does. Um, and it had it had a beautiful like composable system. It didn't have the most powerful scheduler, nothing, but it, it worked really well. 
and you can compose different applications. And that led to Kubernetes being currently used by 80% of the cloud. So I've seen firsthand what a hyper-composable developer-first systems do. And I've right. seen firsthand the successes they had, I've seen the firsthand the failures they had, and we're taking all the learnings of our predecessors from Web2 and applying that to Web3 and, and uh, using the catalyst of decentralization as a hyper-growth engine. Uh, that Web3 provides. So super excited. I mean, this, I mean, if 2021 was a preview for Akash, we showed the world what Akash can do. I think 2022 and 2022 is when the world shows what they can do with Akash. I'm so excited. And this is a year which defines us really. Wow. That's a, that was a great sum up of what to expect. I feel like for, for me, um, when you were describing the Firebase and you know the, 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 how Angular was this launch pad and it become, basically it turned into something where you're saying Google adopted it and was like, well, we just need, we need to use this. Um, and then eventually that became an acquisition. I don't think Google acquires, uh, you know. Uh, I know the whole story if you wanna hear. Companies, yeah. I just, it's just like, that doesn't happen if they don't see a massive amount of value in it and the value of, you know, how it makes uh, developers jobs so much easier. And to me, I, I see like the goal is not to get acquired by Google anymore. It's like the goal is to get acquired by the community, yep. <laughs> Web3, you know, that, and that's what, to me, it's like, if that's what the goal is, it seems like Akash, you know, working with uh, Osmosis and the other um opportunities for sovereign chains on, on in cosmos but also pretty much anywhere that that you folks can do business is like i feel like the goal it, based on what you've been saying it sounds like it's within reach um and we just have to see what the world does with akash with akash yeah and like a lot of cool things i think the, a lot of the growth i mean you can use akash directly but a lot of the growth is going to come from higher level of protocols right right like uh uh, a friend of mine I was talking about, he's building a web three version of version of uh, WordPress that's JavaScript native and Postgres native. Wow. So they have this like amazing way to uh, uh, scaffold your entire application completely in Postgres. So it's, it does bitwise operations for authentication. So it's really fast when you do like, you know, authentication, uh, you know, stuff, which usually is much higher level, right? But they're going directly to the data level and Postgres level. It does all, and, and he's built like several companies uh, before that, you know, that uh, uh, that do website generation, Brandcast. He's the founder of Brandcast, which is a very successful Web2 uh, company. Um, so there, people like that are like building amazing tools. And well, one of the big big chunks of the the, uh, the application is hosting, right? Hosting your infrastructure, and they're going to do Akash, and they're going to do an IBC in, in the Cosmos. So basically, you'll be able to generate a website, uh, you know, a full end-to-end, -end, uh, uh, you know, Web two application with different modules you can plug in that are heavily integrated with, with the database on the Postgres side of things. The Postgres and the the JavaScript applications running on Akash, um, you know, paid using their token. And the exchange happens over osmosis, right? The, the swap happens right. over osmosis, invisible to the end user. All this happens in the background, the IBC, and boom, and you have a fully sovereign, you know, Web3 WordPress. So those are some of the just tip of the iceberg we're seeing. Dude, being we, built right do now. A whole other, we have to do a whole other update on all these cool uh, decentralized applications that can that can kind of integrate with osmosis because that that just blew my mind that, that we get a, a, some kind of like a word a javascript based wordpress that's 
decentralized. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it just sounds like uh, there's there's a lot of exciting. There's so many things that can happen when when you look at Akash as like a, a, a platform. Um, you know, like you said, not not as the as their higher level applications, but um, that's it's just such a it's such an exciting um, topic. Actually, I, there's just too much to, for me really to. We have to we have to do a second, another edition, but I, I do want to open it up for people who have questions um, because we, we have about 13, 15, 13 to fifteen minutes left. Um, is there uh, Sonny? Are you there? Is there someone there who can um, I, I bring people on as speakers? And does anyone have questions um, for Greg or for Sonny or? Okay. Hey, one, one, one more thing, quick, quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think one of the things that we have on the roadmap is our services marketplace by end of 2022. Yeah. Uh, that's really when we start we start going on the offensive, right? So, so far, it's really, Akash is a basic service. You can host containers, but with marketplace, we'll be able to host other services like databases, whatnot. And that's where uh, osmosis comes into more critical part. Because if we have to enable smooth payments for all these services in a single wallet, right, an right. interchain wallet, and the liquidity to that provides the exchange infrastructure, the swap infrastructure between these tokens, because each of them have their own, like, you know, sovereign, their sovereign chains, that's when I think Osmosis becomes a critical payment rail for the Web3 infrastructure. And that that's the kind of stuff I'm really excited about. And that, we are, you know, we're putting the work and by end of this year, we should have the services marketplace. I'm really excited about it. Wow. Okay. I, I, I will want to hear Sonny's take on that as well, but um, yeah. Right. Thank Sorry, you. What was that? I'm, I'm talking about a, a backend services marketplace. Like today, Amazon has about 300 services, right? And Akash is building a decentralized marketplace for services. And we assume a lot of these services are going to have their own tokens, like a database or a load balancer or a caching server, right? Some of them are crypto native, some of them are not. So for that, the infrastructure, the payment infrastructure, uh, uh, you know, needs uh, stable swaps, needs, you know, uh, interchain or, you know, like a federated account or you know, things like that. And I think uh, Osmosis is very well positioned to provide infrastructure. Oh yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I think that like um, you know, for me, one of the main things that I excited me. So you know, you know, I, I've been I've been you know uh, very close to the project for a, a long time, and I think the two things that excited me the most uh, were one was the this um, the, the, what yeah the main one was uh, this which was like you know the point of putting marketplaces on chain is if if you if you expect that DAOs are going to become more important economic actors over time, then, you know, a DAO doesn't have a way to pay for an AWS uh, deployment because, you know, it just can't, you know, open an Amazon account, but a DAO can pay for an Akash deployment because it is a on-chain transaction. And so, you know, I think that, you know, osmosis when once like interchain accounts is ready, which is like the future to for accounts to like make transactions on other chains. You know, would like lo love to have like the osmosis community pool like host a the front end for uh, osmosis via like on a cost, but like paid for by the community pool, and then like you know have it so the only way to update the deployment is via 
governance. So it's like, you know, that's how we become truly decentralized, where it's like, hey, only the DAO can, no, no centralized dev team can control the front end. Only the DAO uh, has the ability to choose what upgrades go into the front end. And so I think that's like, you know, and, you know, I, I think that like getting more and more Ethereum apps, for example, as well to, you know, start. Hi there, Sonny. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a pleasure to be on um, the same platform. Oh, as sorry, give me one oh wait, oh, oh, hold on a second. I think, can we let Sonny finish and we'll, we'll bring, we had Will and we, we, I see you, we'll get you on for question just one second and just hang tight. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's sort of like the main thing that I think would be, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that the DAO, that having DAOs be able to participate in this is like going to be what's going to be the game changer here. I agree. Data services for DAOs. That's mm -hmm. the future. And I mean, I'm pretty excited to get osmosis. Uh, and some of the features we, we realized was like, well, we need to at least get from experience standpoint uh, on par with the existing web infrastructure. That means automated deployments, right? GitHub Actions integrations. Uh, all these cool things that you're used to it should just... You know, you shouldn't think about a cache when you're deploying on a cache. You should focus on what you're building and what you deploy. You know, as Osmosis front end, and the back end should handle. So I think there's a lot of those updates as well coming. So it make just regular deployments much simpler. I'm really excited. Okay, um, Sonny, you said there were two things that you were excited about. So if you remember the second one, uh, please interrupt us. Uh, the second one was basically uh, around GPUs. So, because like, you know, I think uh, with, especially on like, you know, like Greg mentioned earlier, when you, when you're like, the, who's going to be providing compute capacity on Akash is it has to be people who have like cloud scale, like our reliability infrastructure, which, you know, is not the average hobbyist. I'm, you know, for example, you know, I'm not going to, if I had, the osmosis front end is not going to be hosted on like spare compute capacity on someone's desktop because we just need that like reliability that like that that doesn't have the same level of reliability that we need. But I think where hobbyist compute does come in is in GPUs for you know. So I I because uh, last year before like doing osmosis, you know, after I left uh, Tenderman, I you know just like playing around with random stuff and I, I created this uh, Twitter bot of my. Uh, trained on all my past tweets and I tried I started actually building it out as an app that anyone can build their own Twitter bot based on uh trained on their own tweets but like you know all that training actually you know requires you know running it running you know uh you know GPU workloads to um uh train all that data and it's like you know it's it's relatively pretty hot and it turns out that like compute is GPUs are actually have way less um, sort of economies of scale than normal compute does. And so like it's the GPUs on uh, cloud platforms, existing cloud platforms are relatively expensive. And so, you know, and I think that like as, um, you know, Ethereum proof of work, like Fate uh, shifts away. We're gonna have like a lot of excess uh, GPU capacity that's sitting there idle now, and so I think um, you know having that like GPU GPU compute market uh, that that like anyone can provide compute to, I think will be really interesting. Yeah, super excited about GPUs as well. So there's a lot of work being done right now, and uh, we'll give you a big update on GPUs uh, very soon. Awesome. 
Yeah, and, and definitely to go into all the, the other things that you were talking about, Greg, it seems like we're going to have to have you back on. But um, so, so thank you uh, for, for coming on today. And I, I did want to get to some questions. We had Will Saul. Yeah, hit it. Yeah, hey, uh, this is Will from Regen Network. Greg, I read your white paper back when it came out, but I'm a little rusty at this point. Uh, and wanted to hear about what it's like to be a, a hardware uh, provider. Like, like who who are these infrastructure providers uh, who are providing the cloud compute? What are the economics? How does it tie into validation? I assume there's a split between validators and cloud compute providers. But you were just talking about the kind of the economies compared to traditional providers like AWS and how you can have lower cost. How does that work out? Why, uh, why is that, that you can undercut those prices? And, and who are these people running infrastructure on Akash? What's it, what's it like to, to run a cloud compute node on Akash? Great question. Hey, Will. Um, so right now, there are about 79 providers, I believe, on Akash. Uh, a lot of them are mom and pop, uh, like small scale uh, data centers, uh, either doing, using the compute for themselves, and have excess uh, capacity, right? But the majority of the compute that's consumed comes from uh, bigger corporations, right? Like um, like Equinix. Uh, Equinix happened to be the biggest uh, supplier. And they uh, really understood, uh, they, they offloaded, I believe, like 10% of their underutilized supply. So Equinix is the largest internet, uh, <laughs> sorry, largest interconnected data center network in the world. Uh, they, be, they are, you know, they they do bare metal infrastructure and they tend to have a, a ton of excess capacity. It's about 85% or so computing capacity in data centers is not used. For them, if they don't offload the capacity, it's useless, right? So they're offering capacity, I mean, they're offering significantly lower costs right now and majority of the cost comes from them. So the cost savings comes from them, right? 85% or so. And you do have uh, smaller providers uh, like Orion uh, and a few VPSs that are, uh, you know, offloading their their capacity. So essentially, Akash becomes like the spot market for the globe, right? If you're familiar with with the Amazon spot market, which only uh, provides Amazon compute, Akash is a spot market where if you're a smaller provider and you really don't have, uh, you know, the the capability to provide a spot uh, instance, you come to Akash and offer that, right? But we see that changing quite a bit with GPUs because GPUs now. Uh, don't necessarily mandate cloud-grade compute, but pretty much any home computer with a powerful enough GPU can offer compute, right? We don't anticipate home-grade computers prov uh, providing like uh, uh, latency-sensitive or serving latency-sensitive applications, but something like a home computer can serve latency-sensitive applications, right? So, uh, so to answer your question, yeah, most of the compute comes from existing infrastructure that that uh, where the capital has already already been invested. We don't anticipate new providers uh, coming just to build businesses on top of Akash because, uh, I mean, the, the model for Akash has heavily been uh, reutilizing what's already out there. Um, so, uh, but I think the, and uh, that's going to continue even with home computers. Uh, it's just gaming computers or mining computers that, you know, have a lot of GPUs can, uh, will soon enough uh, offer an Akash. Uh, but by the time I think new providers that are coming to make money on Akash, uh, the prices have to compete with the cloud and, the, you know, it's going to be a different economics. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was a great rundown. 
Uh, maybe, but, but we're also seeing some innovators like, you know, people that use, like Texas, for example, right? So Texas has an unregulated grid and there's a lot of uh, overage uh, compute, uh, power uh, that comes from renewables in Texas. Uh, folks that have infrastructure that can utilize this renewable overage from renewables can effectively run uh, uh, data centers for profit because most of the most of the cost in a data center is 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 cost for cooling, right? So which is electricity, not the actual compute, uh, not the cost to run the compute. So so there are there are, so Akash is pretty well positioned for someone like that uh, that has expertise in in hardware, not necessarily in software, to offer and to instantly become a cloud provider by plugging into Akash. And Akash does the 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 application layer uh, provisioning and orchestration. Awesome. I, I kind of feel like I kind of understand what you're saying. I do think that if if we sucked up the uh, uh, renewable, I don't know, overage from Texas, and then they had another deep freeze and people didn't have heat, that we would get in trouble. But I don't know if I fully understand the problem. So right now, renewables, the overage is, is has to be wasted. They had to burn it. There's really no way right. to, to consume overage. I mean, you don't have the battery capacity. So there are centers like Compute North, like data centers that uh, that are located next to these like windmills and whatnot in Texas and just consume this overage, right? So like, and that can effectively uh, come out of cash. I don't see why not. So I think there's gonna be a whole like, with a decentralization where anybody can like get these capabilities in a permissionless way, uh, that's gonna be a catalyst for a lot of the innovation that we are yet to see, right? So right. if you think renewables are the future and if Akash solves the overage problem, why not? You know, like, so, uh, so a lot of, we're we just like really touching the surface, right? With what we can do with decent relations. We're like barely in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just yeah, a tip. Super excited. Just a tip. Like, <laughs> I mean, look, I think that hopefully it's, if it's the tip of the iceberg, we're, we're all hoping it's an iceberg that's not melting. But, uh, and, and so I, that's my way, weird way of saying I do think renewables are the future. Um, so I, maybe maybe we're due for doing a, an episode of updates in the future um, that would be about that, where we could have folks from like Will from Regen and and uh, Akash, you know, talking about how these different systems could work together. Um, it, if there's any other, I saw we had someone from Centric Finance. Someone had a question earlier. If anyone else has a question, oh, I have a question here from. Gabe is up. Oh, Gabe is up. Okay, I had. I also have a question from Telegram once that's done. Okay. What's up, Gabe? Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Uh, thanks for taking the time, guys. Um, so my question is, how easy is it for existing applications and websites to switch over from something like Amazon to Akash? Right. So the answer is it depends. Uh, so Akash doesn't offer yet Akash doesn't yet offer all the services Amazon does, right? So Amazon offers about 300 different services that are managed. Akash offers the one service, which is contrary hosting. So if you're some, running on something called Fargate, Amazon Fargate, it's pretty fairly straightforward to switch from Amazon to Akash. Uh, but if you're using uh, S3 or if you're using, or S3, like, uh, you know, uh, East, uh, the, the, the uh, database service on Amazon, you have to self-manage on Akash. So it, the, the answer really depends on the application. Um, Something like a decentralized application where you're hopefully not depending on any managed services is fairly fairly quick. Uh, but if you are a heavily centralized Web two application that relies on a lot of the managed services uh, Amazon offers, uh, the transition is not that quick. Okay, great, thanks. Thanks, Gabe. 
Um, I had a quick question from uh, this is actually from one of our, our our admins on Telegram, one of the Osmosis admins, Crypto Assassin, had this question: um, What happens if someone misuses their server, like running a botnet, for example? Who will be accountable? Um, and can the tenant address later be blacklisted from resubscription, et cetera? And then also, are there any plans for VPS services? Uh, so unfortunately, there is no way to stop people from misusing your compute like so it's like if someone's paying for it you know they're going to use it the way they want to use it right? Akash is designed to be censorship resistant and of course that the, the one of the pitfalls is that you're going to have misuse but the provider if you're running the compute you have complete control on who you let uh you know uh, let in so you have control over acl list Unfortunately, right now it's a little more complicated. You had to do that manually yourself on your node. Uh, but you know, but I see a future where that could be uh, simplified. Uh, you know, so people can develop tools to to block websites from being deployed onto your service. So uh, the, the the point of Akash is complete sovereignty, right? Complete sovereignty for the provider and for the tenant. Tenant can run whatever they want to run. Provider can then can choose whoever they want to host. So if if something really bad is being hosted on Akash that no provider wants to serve, that content won't be served. If, as long as there's one single provider is willing to serve a content, it will be served on Akash. So right. Akash doesn't really like dictate on what content can go and cannot go in. It's a feature. You know, it's not a you know, pitfall. And that's what makes it very sensitive resistant. Um, and uh, so, and we hope, and we, we you know, we, we, we hope society will act in good faith, right? Like, uh, so yeah, if there's if you're a provider that that you see a botnet being run, you don't want to host that and just kick them out, you know, and so that you don't get blacklisted. Right. So and, so there's yeah. it's kind of like a tit for tat where like uh, someone could launch a bot, um, you know, a botnet on a on a provider, but the provider can then say, hey, you know what, um, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, and it's not censored on the Akash level, uh, it, you know, it would be from the provider level based on, you know, what, what your uh, principles are. Yeah, we do foresee two better tools uh, to self-moderate for providers, right? Uh, then tools are not there yet, but we do see an opportunity for people to build those tools. And I think uh, as Akash gets adoption, uh, as more serious uh, websites start moving under Akash, you're going to see a lot of this innovation that happens. But it's only time, uh, you know, self-moderation is important. And, and, what, and what about the question about any plan for VPS services? Uh, don't know what VPS. So VPS, uh, in the traditional sense that you can actually rent a box and, you know, host that, like, use SSH. You can actually do right now. Uh, sorry. In February, we have a testnet uh, for a mainnet upgrade, a major upgrade that does, that allows for SSH access and persistent storage and a lot, lot of cool features that are coming up. Uh, so essentially, you'll be able to SSH into your containers running on Akash. Um, right now, you can do that on, on the testnet, but soon on the mainnet in like a month or a month or you know, 45 days time. So you do have VPS-style capabilities that are coming to Akash. You know, uh, people like to have their own little SSH uh, servers that they can like uh, log into and relay packets or whatnot. You'll be able to do that. Awesome. Uh, in um, a few months, yeah. Um, Sunny, uh, do you think, can we take another question or I, I leave I leave this to you? Yeah, yeah, I think we can do the last part. There's three people left. So um, I guess CNR was next. 
Yes, thank you so much. Uh, Kevin, it's a question for you. It's more of a support question. Oh, I don't know okay. if it's already been covered or not. Um, I was playing about with the decks um, and I managed to successfully convert my XPRT over to UST. Um, I then proceeded to transfer the UST over to Kepler. Now, when I'm looking to deposit it back to the Osmosis decks, um, it does give me that option and the fees are paid in Luna. Now, I do have enough Luna to cover the transaction fee, but unfortunately, I'm okay. not able to deposit my UST back from Kepler to the Osmosis decks. I was wondering if there's anything in the okay. pipeline. Um, um, okay, so here's what I, I would like to say is, uh, thank you for the question. Um, so the Osmosis Support DAO uh, is, responsible for bringing on, I think about a dozen new admins and moderators on our various different channels. And I would say that the best thing to do, there, there is a, a solution to this, there is an answer. Um, we're going to be talking about what we've been doing to increase, massively increase the support staff that can answer to your question and anyone like it. Um, and we're gonna talk about that today in, I think it's in three hours at, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. UTC. Um, and in the meantime, if you were to go to our Discord or um, or possibly Telegram, it, that's addressing an admin there is the best way to get an answer to your question. We have real human beings who are here to answer that. And um, th that's that's going to be my current answer rather than doing the full tech support um, on, on, the, on the call. But thank, thanks for the question. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks. Polymath. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, I just had a quick one. I hope I can ask this to you, Greg. I just wanted to understand, like, uh, can you share with us, like, your client acquisition model, like, how you guys really go out and, and drive new business and go for the, you know, go for the companies that are really going to bring, bring uh, the most revenue to the business? Right. So, so Akash is an early stage. We just reached product market fit. Um, and we don't consider our users as clients per se in the traditional sense of a company going and doing business and doing sales and sales calls and acquiring clients. We're not there yet, right? I can't comfortably go to a, someone using Amazon and be like, hey, come to a couch, right? No, our users right now are innovators and users that really see value proposition very clearly. So biggest value proposition for Akash right now uh, is cost, right? Cost is, well, it's one-fifth cheaper. Like, where is cost very important? Well, it's very important when you have, you know, compute-heavy applications uh, that, uh, you know, uh, and where you have compute-heavy applications? You do have an Amazon, but Akash doesn't provide all the services that Amazon provides, so you can't just go to someone spending a million dollars on Amazon and ask them to switch to Akash. It doesn't make sense. So, but if you look at mining, for example, right? Mining is essentially cost arbitraging, computer arbitraging. You essentially pay less for compute to mine a token and then, you know, sell that token in a marketplace at higher rate and you make profit. Akash is perfect. So we go to mining communities and mining communities, they're not com communities, they're not companies. You can't go to CEO of a mining, com you know, mining community. There's no CEOs to call up. So we go to communities like PKT Cash, for example, uh, usually the acquisition uh, model starts off with like, well, there's someone in our community that, you know, experiments with a mining model and sees some profitability and talks about it. 
and you know we go approach the community and we understand um, the value proposition and uh, clearly communicate if and, and uh, see if there's alignment there. And once we see alignment, we uh, increase awareness in the community uh, through various content. And usually that comes through, again, through our community members producing different content, like you see what in Piketty Cash, YouTube videos, articles and whatnot. And then we establish support in the community uh, so for people that have questions, right? So we've seen quite a bit of success uh, with that cycle, like increasing awareness, increasing education, establishing support in a community and moving on to other communities, right? So right now, the priority for Kash is not necessarily revenue, but, uh, but the use cases that add exponential value in the future, right? So you got to really think about, and this is how you know, Firebase and, and Kubernetes and all these platforms have launched, um, you know, and identifying those very, very strong use cases, hopefully Akash-native use cases, like Osmosis, for example, uh, is, uh, is an Akash-native use case because Osmosis is, 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 a, is a DAO, right? Um, and it's a DAO. There's no, like, CEO of a DAO, right? Like, it's sunny that likes Akash. Uh, people in the Osmosis community that like Akash, they're going to experiment with Akash and going to propose, do a proposal, and, and you know, there's a group buy-in that happens, right? So. So our acquisition strategy in a Web3 is very different from, from a Web2 model, uh, which is community-driven. And a lot of that comes through organically uh, instead of a sales call. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. So I guess last thing, how can the community help? You know, Akash, you know, uh, community members, people like myself that support Akash, that believe in Akash, what can we do um, to help you get more DAOs involved or other communities involved? Awesome. Uh, possibility. Show possibility is what you can do with Akash. Like I said, like so far it's been us showing what you can do with Akash, but now we'd love to see what the community can do, Akash. A beautiful thing would be a lot of the DAOs have websites that are public. The source code is public, right? Open source. So take that open source code, build a container, deploy that container onto Akash, run a mirror, uh, hopefully set up uh, a continuous deployment using GitHub Actions. I'll be publishing some of the uh, easy ways to do that very soon. Uh, I think Osmos is going to be starting doing that very soon. So we're going to publish something where you can replicate the process to other DAOs and just make a proposal in a, in a DAO that you're part of to use Akash, right? If you make it simple and easy for the DAO members to update the website, I think that's, that's a no-brainer. And that's a story that we can go tell other people and you know, enough stories will give us that that sort of lift we need uh, to to take off, and uh, and that's, that's how we we win. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for sharing, man. Well, if you need anyone else on your team, hit me up. <laughs> Hello. Awesome. <laughs> I've already Thank slid you. into your DMs, Greg. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for the question. Um, can we take Marty? One? Yeah, let's do one more. Another one. We can do Marty welding, I think. Yeah. So, Greg, uh, those last two answers probably did about 80% of what I was interested in. But what I think I heard is that you're not super concerned right now with maybe demand. Could you talk a little bit more about supply? Is that something that you are concerned about? You know, I noticed that you're launching, you know, the GPU side of the house and, you know, as a, as a Bitcoin and minor person going back to 2017, you know, the mining thing certainly is, you know, part of my thinking. Thank you. 
it's, it's the opposite. I'm not concerned about supply. I'm concerned about demand. I'm, I'm certainly want demand. Uh, don't get me wrong. So, but I'm just uh, classifying what the demand should look like. Ideally, what we want right now is more use cases and stories uh, that tell a better story so we can have demand in exponential matter. I'm not interested in gradual demand, right? Yes, we do have a consistent growth. Uh, if you look at uh, the active deployments, they've been around 450 range. Active deployments are a good indication because they indicate new users as well as churn. So as long as active deployments stay stable, that means we have enough sort of like uh, uh, churn and, and, and new demand that's kind of canceling out and balancing out, right? So I'm definitely in demand, uh, not so much supply. Uh, and the reason for that is we have, boy, like there's so much supply that we get hit up on a daily basis. There, there's a lot of computers out there that's not being used. Like it's enormous, right? But there's not too many people willing to switch to a decentralized cloud, maybe because, well, the experience is subpar. It's, it's difficult, uh, in, in all honesty. Um, it's not, well, you don't have the user interfaces and you, all the things that you used to in a Web2 world switch. And two, a lot of heavy friction, like acquiring UKT tokens, and there's quite a bit of work you need to do, right? Unless you really believe in something, uh, in a decentralized feature, it's hard for you to switch. So we're certainly interested. That's why we want to attract more stories that uh, people can, um, really, the people using Akash can, can tell. I mean, if you look at, Proof of stake or proof of work mining, for example, right? Their cash price point is amazing for proof of work mining. We love to see those stories. People actually making money, people making a living uh, doing a cash, right? Uh, DAOs, for example, amazing story. Yeah, you want to see more of that, uh, you know? So, and more developer tooling being built in a cash. Like, we love to see a lot of uh, uh, CD pipeline. It's, it's an amazing use case. Because the cash is low cost, permissionless, you can run uh, something like a uh, you know continuous deployment like Jenkins Worker on a cash, and take you know actually even build a very profitable company based on that. So developer tooling on top of cash is phenomenal, right? So we love to see those stories because those are going to be the distribution channels that are going to get us the usage that, and when the usage comes, it's going to be exponential, not going to be gradual. It's not going to be linear. You know what I mean? So like most successful projects don't have linear growth, they have exponential growth. So we got to identify on more strategic sort of like initiatives than pushing the ball a little ahead. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, that, that pushing a ball a little ahead comes in growth state. You're not there yet. We just hit product market fit. So identifying those use cases is what I want to see from a demand standpoint. Great question, Marty. Thank you. Um, welding? Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Hey. So uh, I, I, have a, I have a question, Greg. Uh, is there a Binance listing uh, on the horizon? Huh. Well, you know, I can't really comment on it. Okay, well, that's uh, but, fine. But, but in general, I'll tell you the, the ecosystem where we are. I think it's Cosmos. Like, Cosmos is, is crushing it, and it's still on, not on Binance, right? Yeah. Um, and the reason for that, I think, this is my thesis, right? I think the reason for that, Binance is a coin basis, and, uh, and all the major exchanges, haven't supported Cosmos assets. And Cosmos is not the easiest chain to, to, chain to support, right? So a lot of technical integration work that needs to happen in order to support Cosmos assets. So since like, I believe Kava was the last Cosmos asset that was listed in the major exchanges, and not even Coinbase. And since then we haven't had any Cosmos assets like listed 
Um, unless you have an ERC-20 pair, it's impossible to get listed today, right? So the choice for Akash is like, well, do an ERC-20 pair, which is kind of like not core to Akash's mission. Like, like we want you to get an Akash token and use it instantly, right? Not like have a bridge converted, unless the experience is like solved. I really hate the ERC-20 pair. Like I, I just despise it, you know? Anyway, um, so the choice for giving in front of us is like, Create a ERC20 pair, you know, hopefully run it on a bridge, uh, you know, and play for the security. I mean, I think Gravity Bridge does a, does a good job. I'm really excited for the, um, uh, uh, if, if I were to do an ERC pair, I want it to be an osmosis. I want that level of experience. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, everything else just subpar. Like, it's really bad. Um, okay, no, it's, it's it's fine. You know, it's just there's a rumor going on, you know, and I just I just wanted to ask, you know, not that I use Binance. I, I hate Binance. I love osmosis. You know, it's the best thing that's happened <laughs> to crypto. You what, know, what, thanks. What's buddy. the rumor? Uh, no, that you know, Binance is going to list the cash. You know, that's the rumor. But ah, uh, uh, well, that, right. I don't know. Okay. It's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think uh, this is what's going to happen in general. Cosmos. I think it's going to be like one sleuth of Cosmos listing. I think it's going to be Osmosis, XPRT, DBPN, all these like amazing tools that I actually use. You know, like DBPN, I actually use. I use a token for my VPN on my iPhone and I pay using DBPN. Osmosis, I use it every day, right? Like Akasha, I use it every day, right? A lot of yeah. amazing projects in Cosmos I actually use every day, you know, and they have real utility that not getting listed versus something like, I don't know, Shiba Inu, you know, like. Because ERC twenty pair, like you know, so yeah, I think it's just going to be like one salute of listings that are going to happen. I am seeing quite a bit of interest uh, from a lot of exchanges on like supporting Cosmos assets, and uh, and I think like Coinbase has this thing called um, uh, Rosetta uh, implementation, and they've seriously like made advances in like supporting Cosmos assets. I think it's just going to be one salute of listings, but. Um, uh, yeah, that's the limitation right now. Okay, thanks, Wilder. I have I have one more. This came from one of our um, one of our admins on Telegram, uh, Maquina, who's a new admin, uh, who said uh, this is a question that we face from many users. This is for Sunny. Um, how is the Certic audit going? Can you give any security update of Osmosis? How safe? What are the worst case vulnerabilities? How can we say this to a normal user? Hey, uh, yeah. I actually have to jump off onto another call right now, but uh, the really quick answer um, is uh, the Certic audit is completed already. Uh, it was actually, it's actually been completed for, you know, a couple of months, actually. Uh, I think they're just blocked on us giving them the go ahead or something to like publish the audit results. But basically there was uh, no, uh, no real vulnerabilities found. So it's all, uh, which is a good result, either a good result or, we need better auditors. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we got to jump off okay, here. Cool. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Sonny. This has been great, okay. Greg. Uh, to everybody else, just really, really quickly, um, in two hours at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. UTC, we have our community town hall. All the details are will be posted on my Twitter and on the Osmo uh, support DAO Twitter. And um, if you want to get on the mic for that, you will come to our Discord and message uh, our admins. Do you have to DM them. They will never DM you first. So either Robo Makobo or you can message Madcat on Discord. They will give you a link. You will join our StreamYard session. You have to have a mic and or a video. And uh, we'll have you on the mic for the Q&A. 
We look forward to talking to the community in about two hours. Um, and it's going to be streaming everywhere on Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitter, and, uh, and and also you can we'll be able to watch it on Discord. But to join it, there'll be that procedure. Okay. Thank you, everybody, so much for uh, tuning in today. I, I saw over, I don't know, it was 333 listeners, which I think is a 333 uh, sign. And um, on, upwards and onwards. Thank you so much, guys. This was the most fun update I had, and I'm glad it's on Osmosis. The first episode in 2020 is on Osmosis. So it's I in the books, it. I love man. this ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on, Greg. I look forward to talking to you more about all the cool things that people can do with, with Akash. And until um, next time. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Osmosis Updates from the Lab Space, recorded on Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. We appreciate their support. For terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep a hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focus, star scream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect. With the dead man swagger Sitting in a little den vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next Bubba-billion Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next Bubba-billion Little Dan envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next No one gave a shit Till the drugs all dried up Everybody died From a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter We was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal He just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime Till the night curfew Rats in a cage Till they make time to murk you Got a little job That falls under my purview We gotta get this mob Away from the birds view, gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop, ride off the work while you try on the worst juice, blinded by perps who try to reverse truth, slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you, eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants, I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis, mock up a basement could call me resilient, waiting for the internet to make me a billion. In the middle men, listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Terror Spaces